Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome back to another kind of funny weekly review and reaction. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the big dog, Kevin Coelho. What up, dude? Making his return to kind of funny content. We have Canada's secret weapon, Matt Rohrbeck. Oh, I like that. I like that. Thank you for having that. me. Love that. Love that. Thanks for having and me. And speaking of weapons, we, of course, have the weapons arbiter himself, Chris Anka. How y'all <laughs> doing? Going, I feel good, good about man, that, you guys. If it, if it that was clear, really good. Had I known, clear. had I known you were gonna go that hard, I would have gone harder for my intro. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I failed you. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it again. And of course, we have the big dog, Kevin Coelho. Let's criticize some art, God damn it! Hell yeah! It. And Hell art yeah. is what yeah. we will criticize today because today we are talking about the Green Knight, A24's The Green Knight. Of course, we will give our spoiler-free reviews to in the beginning, let you know if we recommend that you go out and watch this movie, and then we'll get into full spoiler territory. But we will make it very, very clear because this is kind of funny reactions where each and every week we review the latest in movie and TV. Next week, we're returning with the return of Marvel Studios, Disney Plus TV shows, Marvel Studios, What If? Very, oh, yeah. very exciting. We'll be here each and every week giving our reactions to the episodes as they come out. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, next week, we're returning to The Bad Batch. We're going to do a full season one review. It'll be me, Roger Percorny, Barrett Courtney, and whoever else wants to join us uh, that has watched season one of that show. Very fun, cool stuff. But enough about all that. Of course, you can watch the show on youtube.com slash kind of funny roosterteeth.com. If you want to get it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny reactions and we'll be right there for you. And if you wanted to get the show ad free, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny and you can do just that. So, boys, we're here. We're going to talk about what is my personal movie of the year so far Whoa. the green knight but i don't want to i don't want to start off i don't want to start off chris i want to hear what you have to say about a24's the green knight um i think it's a brilliantly made movie that i don't think is for everyone i was personally whelmed i think i went in it was exactly what i thought it was going to be and i think what the movie prioritized were not things that i personally was very interested in um in terms of filmmaking um but i still think it's something that everyone should give a shot of and i don't regret seeing it i almost want to watch it again um but it was it, it didn't do anything that that blew me away would you recommend going out to see it in theaters oh yes if you can don't i, I wouldn't recommend it's not like a movie that'd be like oh you know go risk yourself for Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So oh my god, you got where you live. Yeah. <laughs> if it is safe, um, would you recommend people go see it in theaters? Yes. I just just for the sound alone. Mm. You know, I think the sound the sound design was was so phenomenal in this that I think being in, in, in a really high end theater um sound system is is definitely worth it. Heaven, what do you think? This movie was weird as shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, it's also like exceptionally beautiful. Everything seems very, very thoughtful. Um, I I walked out of it and I was like, it reminds me in a lot of ways of like the movie Donnie Darko, where it's like, I don't know if I like that movie. I need to watch it more. I either love it or hate it. And I haven't super decided. I'm definitely leaning the more on, on like loving it. But like I'm, st I, I I definitely walked out and I was like, "Fuck, I would really want to watch that again and possibly in 4DX if that's an option." Okay. 4DX, the Green Knight. <laughs> Snells no, alone might be interesting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was a spectacle for sure, and that's what I was hoping for. 
And yeah, it like I think I was a little underwhelmed with the story aspect of it, but I have been thinking about about it a lot and I kind of feel like that's the whole point of the of it, right? So like it, it nailed that uh, that part, I think. Would you rec- recommend people go watch it in theaters? If you're like, you know what? I like artsy fartsy movies. Like if you hear that term and you're like, you know what? No, that's not something I I need to do. But if you're like, yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple artsy movies that are pretty cool. I'll go check it out. It's like then definitely check it out because this movie is a hell of a spectacle to watch. I am, though, very excited to also watch it at home because I think the hue lighting will really add a lot to it. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Rohrbeck, you have your own movie podcast, the Untitled Movie Podcast, which I featured on the latest episode. I didn't go check. Where where can people find that? A podcast services, untitledmoviepodcast.com. You were on our 97th draft yesterday where we touched on the Green Knight, but we talked about the movie industry as a whole. But uh, guys, I think we have the greatest Arthurian tale since Michael Bay's Transformers The Last Night. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> At the very least, that is a fact. Uh, no. um, I'm kind of in the same boat as uh, 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 both of these guys here, like where I initially... I think going into this movie, I'm not the biggest medieval or like fantasy guy, but I really love kind of A24, what they're doing and what David Lowry's been doing in his filmography. So I kind of went in with mixed expectations of going, okay, the medieval stuff, the fantasy stuff, not really my thing, but I'm totally here for some weird fucking movie, whatever this is going to be. And then leaving it, uh, I feel in a similar boat where I felt like I loved it. It was a visual spectacle, but the story left me kind of underwhelmed. But I just didn't know how to feel about it, just like Kev said. And um, But then the more I sat on it and the more I thought about it, the more I talked about it with like my co-host on my show, Eric, and um, I just thought about the cinematography, the score, the costume design, the production design, the sound design, and like all of that stuff just kind of blew me away. And then when it came to, you know, this classic tale, um, I thought it was very simple, but then somehow made it kind of convoluted. But then the more that I dissected kind of each scene as we kind of go through the film and I thought about it and sat on it, I'm glad I didn't record our review like right after because I feel like I would have been more on the negative side but or appreciated it than enjoyed it. Um, but now the more I thought about it, the more I talked about it, I end up going from like, I don't know how to feel about this movie to like, I think I really, really loved this movie. So, and I do, I'm in the same boat where I want to see it again. And I planned on doing it yesterday, but couldn't fit it in. But uh, yeah, I think it's a visual feast that I think should be seen in the theater if you can, if it's safe. Um, but expect a challenging pace and a simple story that I kind of lost me at times because it has this hip not it kind of state that it put me in where i kind of zoned in and out of consciousness if that makes sense <laughs> definitely uh i just want to start off i highly highly recommend watching this in theaters i think that that is the only way that i would have enjoyed this movie i think that you need to be all in or else yeah. it is not going to be for you at all and you know i i'm I can see myself watching this at home on Netflix or something and checking my phone. And like that would have just, if you looked away for a second, this movie for as weird as it's pacing is it's moving and a lot happens. And if you kind of blink for a second, you might've missed like some crazy shit that just went down. But what I really like is it's never this, everyone here, uh, I think, except for Chris used the word spectacle in some way. And it's like, what I love about this, uh, and you, you might have Chris, I'm sorry if, if you did, but no, I didn't, uh, but I'm like, Oh, I'm a trend center. You know, I don't like to follow the path. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But like what I like about it is we normally use the word spectacle for like giant action set pieces and, yeah. and, and, you know, like kind of crazy, crazy crazy levels of, of cg or whatever it's you know cg or otherwise just like there's a scale to the the uh, action right and this movie doesn't have that and and i think that that kind of works to its benefit where it allows the world to really 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 speak for itself as a character and what i enjoy the most about this movie is it really kind of feels like a deconstruction of the hero's journey fantasy mm-hmm. reality all of those things at once while uh not being as trite as I just said that, like it, it kind of like worked for me where things are practical, like seeing the green knight and the way that he's this lumbering tree man, when he moves the sound design of him sounding like a tree creaking, it yeah, grounds, yeah. it grounds the fantasy in, in a way that you're just like, Oh, this is what real life is here. And I think that that works really well as the movie goes on, where you're in these different areas and, and landscapes and things are happening that in another movie would have just been kind of like, 
oh, okay, like this is just another another moment become these magical set pieces here because the scale isn't about him swinging a sword harder, stronger, faster, but it's instead about like what's happening around him and him just being this tiny little dude in this this giant world. And they thrust him into so many crazy situations like right off the bat, like without spoiling things, like some of the initial uh, confrontations he, he has are just like, holy shit, we're going here there like so quickly, okay. Um, I do think it's definitely more Blade Runner 2049 than it is Star Wars. And I think that that's hard for people to to wrap their head around because it's not for everybody. And I'm surprised it's for me, honestly, like this type of stuff, medieval is not my jam whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about the way that this, this movie kind of plays with the idea of legend where there are multiple elements throughout the movie that don't feel consistent. And it almost feels like different character point of views are consuming the story differently and i think that that's uh built into the narrative they they have going here uh, and is backed up with different things that we'll get into in the, the spoiler side of stuff but like it plays with your expectations of um oh well the character uh got drugged what's that gonna do to him and we expect one thing but the way they go about it i think is, is really smart and again deconstructing our expectations for the narrative of what you guys have all said is a very very simple story but i think mm -hmm. that it only this movie only works because the story is so simple that there's kind of a lot of different paths of interpretations you can take that are equally valid because they add up perfectly and i think that that is the the strength of this movie i when i finished watching it with kevin I would have watched it again right then. I was so ready to go back and get some answers to, and again, I'm not trying to act like I understood this movie. I didn't, you know what I mean? Um, but I enjoyed it and I enjoy kind of like thinking about it to the point of trying to understand it. And I feel like over the course of the last week, since first seeing it, I have come to conclusions uh, of what I think the movie's about, what it's trying to do. And I did go watch it again and I, I, I'm fucking blown away again. I left it being a little like, I don't know if I'm as high on it as I was the first time, but just like you guys are saying, the second time, now that I'm a couple of days out from that, I'm just like, fuck, no, I love it even more than I thought I did. So, so yeah, definitely highly recommend watching this movie and paying attention. And it might not be for you, but I think that it's worth giving a shot, even if you think it's not. But now I had a friend, I had a friend who described the movie as like walking through a museum. And I feel like that's very apt where there's a bunch of very beautiful set pieces and you kind of have this sort of slow pace through it mm -hmm. yeah. and so you sort yeah. of enjoy everything that's happening enjoying everything you're looking at um but it's not meant to be rushed through and the movie is sort of and i think at least for me the detriment was is the movie is dictating how slowly i'm going through it um because it's funny like i think i'm the i guess i'm the one person here i love medieval i love gritty period pieces it's kind of all i really want to like intake and so I was expecting, I was hoping for a much grittier movie. And I was kind of taken aback at how sort of tender this movie is. Like, it's a very, like, despite, you know, it being an Arthurian tale, it's a very soft movie. And I mean that in the best of ways. And hmm. so I think in sort of the fact that it, the whole movie is about tenderness and sort of the, the, the sort of the subversion of, like, you know, the hero's journey is everyone being very compassionate and, like, empathetic towards each other um, and in some good ways and some bad ways. Um, but it sort of it definitely sort of like caught me off guard because I was like, like I want I wanted to go like when we get like we're getting to mud I'm like I'm ready for some like real hardcore shit and we never really get there mm. and so I think I think I think a second view definitely would probably help me with that. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I I the like how slow the movie feels to you because for me it's it's kind of the opposite where the one of my favorite things about it is the pacing of the movie like like Tim was saying earlier, it feels like so much is constantly happening and, and the whole, um, not theme, but like everything about the movie feels like it shifts, like suddenly it shifts and it's like, Oh, we're in like a horror house. Like why, why is it like everything is creepy and scary or, you know, like everything is like screwed or, Oh, everything is suddenly peaceful. And like, we made it into this, this new place. And I just feel like it's so rapidly like switches be between almost genres that it like kept me on my toes. And also like I, I didn't um, need to go to the bathroom, but it was one of those things I could feel like if I'm not paying attention, I'm going to miss stuff that's going on. And it just does so many random weird things that like it, on further um, reflection kind of build like uh, a narrative <laughs> 
but like in the moment when you're first watching it, you're just like, I don't know what's hap- what are, what's happening. What is this? What's <laughs> all you know? So um, I I I think that the pacing for me was something that I, I was totally. I also wasn't prepared for it. I thought it would be uh, have more action. I guess I, I'm not entirely sure what I thought I was going in in to watch, but like it certainly caught me off guard, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, totally. And, and you know, uh, jumping off of that, uh, kind of like with what both you guys are saying, I really, I said this before, uh, when I, after my first watch of the movie, but like, this is the best Legend of Zelda movie we're ever going to get. I was going to bring it, that up too, man. <laughs> and like, what I, what I feel about it is like, it's, it's Legend of Zelda, but like with a, with a Game of Thrones kind of like, uh, level of maturation. I think like definitely in terms of the, the sex and kind of the, the, the themes and the violence without the action sake, but just kind of like, I would describe this as a violent movie, even though there isn't many acts of like fighting or anything, but just kind of like how it all feels. And like the, the stress and Kevin brings up horror. There are horror elements of this yeah. that I think are, are really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it is very, very cool how um, you're just kind of in this world that, has less dialogue than more and because of that when there is dialogue i think it really stands out and i think that they use their words so wisely to lead us to believe something and understand this world that we're in and it's like i love how many dope ass quotable lines are just being dropped every freaking time some character is speaking and it it feels like it fits this world that they've built so it's like i i enjoy that because i i normally am a I like quips. I like action. I'm a, I'm a simple dude. You know what I mean? But like this, I really, really enjoyed like their, their use of making sure that the, the words meant something and were only used at the appropriate times. Yeah. And to jump off your Legend of Zelda comment, Tim, I thought a lot of 2018's God of War as well a little bit in taking um, kind of like well-known mythology with King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and the story being interpreted multiple times, but then kind of taking it and and deconstructing it and turning it into a completely kind of original kind of thing. And then I like that video game kind of hero's journey to the whole thing where it is a very simple quest or game that this like Gowan has to do, but then it kind of, you know, strips him away of everything and he has to go on these side quests to earn back his stuff. And we'll get more into it in in spoiler mm-hmm. territory, but like I just thought that was so cool and it did remind me of kind of a video weirdly like a video gamey kind of movie throughout even though I wouldn't it doesn't feel like that at all. So that might sound weird, but anyway. I think just because a lot of video games are just like based on like sure. these kinds of legends. So you're just doing the same journey, but like you get it's to true. control it rather than you're watching it or hearing Point. about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now we are going to get into full spoiler territory. So if you have not seen this movie or, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, go away now. Otherwise, let's get full into it. Matt, take it away. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I... Don't know where to start, but like one thing I really did love, though, um, getting into the spoiler territory, I guess going jumping straight into the ending of um, doing the La La Land thing of like kind of showing you what could have been, but I'm going to do something a, a different way. And I like in because I was with you guys where I was confused at times because I was so hypnotized by the movie where I kind of was falling in and out of consciousness, like I was saying, where I missed stuff of being like the hell did he get his axe back and i'm like did i just miss that for a second i'm like oh where the uh the green girdle thing or like alicia vikander playing two different characters and i'm like is it the same woman i'm like i'm just like am i dumb i'm like i don't know if i'm not getting this um and then it i'm glad that i kind of sat on it and thought about these things but i like the moment where uh barry i think it's keegan or kigo's character um uh, kind of steals all of his stuff and ties him up and you kind of get the foreshadowing that you know he when they kind of do that slow kind of pan and then it shows him as a skeleton all tied up being like if i don't get out of this thing i'm gonna die um and then kind of goes back and then i thought originally i'm like is this whole thing like in his head now did he die in that moment and everything showing us like what could have been if he was courageous and was able to complete his journey but then they kind of do it again at the end there too so i think it's just foreshadowing to that moment um but yeah i think those things of like those side quests we're talking about of um aaron kellyman's character who we just saw in falcon and the winter soldier that whole sequence in the uh the horror sequence kevin was referencing is dope and um yeah there's just so many cool moments tim like you said where if you really kind of sit down and think about it from 
set piece to set piece and they're not these big action set piece but each kind of little side quest he does i think was cooler than the next thing it's just i needed to take a second to think about it all and go oh that was actually cool as a a, a final thing anyways that was a lot but uh well i just wanted to uh, you go kev i I was just gonna jump off the the ending conversation because i think that's why i enjoy the movie so much but it's also why i'm questioning whether i love it or not because i thought it was so cool that he had this vision of like the path that he would live if he ran away and you know essentially took the 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 path without honor of like forsaking the the whole um game that they were playing living going and seemingly lying to everyone giving up his love uh, then becoming king and following that path until the moment where he decides, like, the fight's over, there's no reason to, like, keep myself alive, and he removes the uh, the, the sash. Um, and I thought it was so cool that it cuts back, and he's hasn't made the decision yet, but now knowing that, like, he's going to end up giving up everything he really cares about to go down a path that leads basically nowhere, might as well die intact with his honor so he takes off the sash and it's like oh what a cool moment to like have him really prove like his character right because like all of all of the knights and everything back then the the whole idea is like you're nothing without your honor right and then he does that and the knight does the like oh good job boy and then he's still like we end with that like the off with his head which i think made such a like it, like the tone of it was so weird and it all seemed like very jokey. It seemed like we had a really good serious moment that could have just ended with him being like, good, you know, and not giving us any more, just any more certainty whether or not he's still dying or not. But I feel like ending with the like comical off with his head thing, like really leaves me in a position where I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand that last little bit. Like what was, was it- the... Is it more that the Green Knight is saying you're taking that you you didn't have to go this route because he could have said like just kind of nicked the Green Knight right like he didn't have to behead him right at the beginning if he actually heard what he was saying of going like I will give you an equal blow but it's almost this imposter syndrome thing or wanting to prove yourself to everyone or what Tim's saying legend and wanting to be this thing and living up to this thing so he goes I'm going to slay the Green Knight and chop off of his head so I feel like maybe the Green Knight at the end is just kind of like is kind of being like it didn't have to be this hard man like you just you could have kind of gone a different route out of all of this and it is ultimately i guess about just living up to those expectations and the courage and stuff like that too yeah this show is brought to you by me undies you know how when you're in a nerve-wracking situation and people say imagine everyone in their underwear to make yourself feel comfortable as if imagining a room full of strangers down to their skivvies is what makes us feel comfy me undies believes comfort does not start with imagining but instead it starts with actual comfort me undies designs limited edition prints all the time so you can express yourself every single day building your undie collection and picking out which lucky pair gets to meet your butt for the day has never been so fun choose prints with corgis chicken nuggets your zodiac sign goofy puns and more meundies also releases collabs with some pretty big names like the rolling stones and space jam a new legacy but you have to grab them fast because once they're gone they're gone for good kind of funny loves meundies you've heard the boys talk about them for years they're comfort with good designs that make your friends jealous to get 15 percent off your first order free shipping and a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com dot com slash morning that's meundies.com slash morning we're also brought to you by Faraday brand can it be it's finally summer and we're actually gonna have a real summer this year so naturally we started thinking about looking good after a year and some change because we're going places this summer is what kind of funny is calling hot boy summer you saw the jean jacket you see the haircut we're doing it big this summer and that's where Faraday comes in they make the perfect clothes for the summer tim gettys is the most stylish person i know and he even loves Faraday brand clothing and they're so confident in the quality of their stuff they have a lifetime guarantee of quality they'll replace or fix your clothes forever no matter what and to top it all off Faraday is giving our listeners 20% off that's right 20% off so stock up on all of your clothes for summer now head to faradaybrand.com and use code morning at checkout to snack 20% off 
all your summer gear. That's code MORNING at Faraday. That is F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com for 20% off. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt. Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your credit card debt with a personal loan all online. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score and is expanding access to affordable credit. Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash KFMB. That is upstart.com slash KFMB. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash KFMB. Chris, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it's, I, I don't remember there ever being a movie in recent memory that the very last scene was what make uh, what made or break the movie for me. Like the like when it was just the the, the whole future sort of scape. I was like, man, if you're going, if you, if you are going to commit to this, I I hate this movie. And then once it cuts back and he takes out the sash, she's like, oh, good job. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it like, but I oh, love they showed it though. Yeah. Oh, I love that they showed it. But I was like, if, if that was the note that you were going to end on, that he does give in to his shame, which is kind of what the actual story is. It's kind of yeah. both. Um, that if he does give into it, I was like, I hate the last two and a half hours of my life. <laughs> um, but the fact that we jump back and it, he does overcome it, of like even in, in the fact that the the overcoming the sort of whole um, issue of the story for him is just this little like bit of his shame and his courage, and it's such a soft moment. I, I like I love that. I love that. And I, and I it's, it's interesting because like just listening to Kevin talk about it, either the like the off of his head at the time I took it as like he was telling him to get out of here. Yeah, like get your head out of here. Like off of your head, go. Or it could be like, okay, well now I'm gonna take my swing, like off your head. But like, it could be what 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 actually happens in the in the thing where he does just nick him. He's like, I'm still gonna do the thing, but it's just like I'm not actually gonna do it now because you proved yourself to be courageous. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, just, it was just sort of like I I I love that whole kind of jumping forward sequence. I thought it was brilliant and yeah, there was no dialogue. I mean that- that is my favorite thing about the movie is, is the idea that like I do think it is up to interpretation and I don't think that I, that's in a lazy way. I think it's well designed that you can, like I was saying earlier, uh, whether you want it to be off with his head is literally taking him being like, well, fuck it, you're dead, like you yeah. idiot, or take it as like off with your head, like this is comical, yeah. I'm going to let you actually go back and, and you've proven yourself or whatever. Both of those stories perfectly line up with the narrative that the the movie presents to you and I, I think that that goes back to what i was saying of like playing with our expectations and the idea of legends changing and all that stuff like there's a moment where pretty early on before he leaves where there's the drunk guy at the bar and he is going up to him he's like oh my god like this is the dude he chopped it off with his own axe and whatever and i love that like already this is getting out of control this legend of gawain is wrong like he didn't use the axe he used a sword and there was nothing epic and dope about it it was kind of cowardly and like before him yeah exactly it it, it turned Mm. into this thing that's already gotten out of hand and i love that they set that up so early in the movie because as it starts to go on we're introduced to all these elements that as the audience we're kind of like is this in his head or is this happening or is this some magic and those elements don't add up chronologically in a way that makes sense. We get the Fox really early on in the movie, at least seeing it, but later it's semi implied that the Fox might be uh, somebody he knows. And like mom, somebody that I is think? like, like, the, well, I mean, it could be the mom, but it also could be the um, Aaron Kellyman character right. uh, with the, with the red hair and, and things of like trying to help him along the way as it goes. And especially the fact that she later is like, you know who the Green Knight is. The Green Knight is someone you know. And it's like, what does, like, clearly she's connected. Why is this random ghost girl that's been beheaded, beheaded know him, know his journey, know what he's doing? How does that axe come back there? And then to keep yeah. going on later, he gets that whole vision of what the future could be. And then in the middle of all this, there's the, he does the mushrooms and the drugs happen. I love that that's in the middle of the movie because it throws everything off where it's like all those things that you could write off as, oh, he was just drugs. It's like, no. And we also get the vision of the skeleton. Like, there's so many elements in this movie that are like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but there's evidence to support 
all of it, which I I, I think is the, the the strong suit of it all. And like to me, having rewatched it, my take is the plot is the mom sees that his her son is fucking up and believes in him, but isn't sure if she should believe in him. So she does create the Green Knight, yeah, and she does form this whole quest for her to to go out. And the the entire thing of the game isn't just about the Green Knight. It isn't just return the blow uh, as as you do it. That theme is carried throughout each of the different environments they go to of of him uh, doing something and taking the exact same thing back later in the uh, the weird Lord house when the guy's like, I'm going to go out and hunt and I'll give you whatever, anything you get here, I want. And he's talking about the the sash right yeah but then he's also talking about the little sexual encounter he had with the girl which is why he kisses the lord because yeah, he's giving right. back what he took and it's just like i love that he was like trying to be sneaking trying to get away with it and it just like shows so much growth from this character but also he's kind of a scumbag and like it isn't until those final moments where he's with the green knight that he's like i need to be honorable and i need to to come through with this and like yeah it's really cool stuff and and that's why that moment's so strong when he takes the sash off and that's why kind of like the the very very end i know it's so silly to be so fixated Mm -hmm. on a line but that line really pisses me off because it like i feel like that moment had a joyous tone and then they went so far with it where it's like i i don't know it, it kind of uh broke the tone of that scene for me and I yeah. think, Tim, you, you nailed it, too, because I was thinking of the same thing as I kept thinking about the movie. And you see the mother, like, at the beginning doing that kind of circle creation kind of thing. And then, like, each test almost feels like they do such great world building with the rules that they kind of set up with, uh, you know, different creatures or magic and different things like that, that it almost feels like each thing thrown at him could have been real or could have been this, you know, mystic kind of quest that was sent towards him of like the beheading there's something there because he beheads the the green knight so trying to find her skull and bring it back to her and each was like a chivalrous kind of challenge to him to prove his worth or like for him to be a better person kind of thing of helping people to uh, chris's point too of being like more tender and more thoughtful and then going into you know throwing this woman and that going back to the alicia vikander double casting which confused me at first but then that kind of proves your point tim i think a little bit of these tests are being put towards him and they make this woman look like his love back uh home to make those advances kind of easier for him to give into and that's another test that he ultimately kind of fails because he gives into it and i just think that's interesting where he doesn't deserve the sash at the end and and should have given it back but um yeah i think that's a really cool interpretation uh, of it and adding to that too, in the the Lord's house, that whole scene, uh, there's there's a couple of cool things where it's like in the the uh, original story. Um, and Chris, I'm sure you have a whole lot more to say on this than I do. But like the Lord is the Green Knight yeah. in the original story. So right. it's like fly that at all here. I don't know. Like not necessarily. No, but it's like, I don't think they do. Uh, either way, I think it's really interesting that when you look at just the house or just like the when they're in that whatever you want to call it, um, the characters there because we have Gawain, we have the lady. We have the Lord who could represent the the Green Knight himself, and then we have this woman with woman, the, yeah, the the, the bandana over her, over eyes, her yeah. eyes that doesn't say anything, is never addressed. She's just there. So I think that really strengthens the idea that the mom is behind this, as clearly shown in the beginning of the movie, but that she is behind all of these little moments along Challenges, the way. Yeah. Yeah. To, to your old uh, uh tim to your point of the like the legend getting away from it, it reminded me of a scene that i loved when i first saw it i didn't think of it until right now when they're when they're painting the portrait of him like to, to boister the legend and they paint him white of like yeah. this is how kind of it all starts getting away from him and how the story starts mm-hmm. changing like, start, like he's literally getting whitewashed immediately yep. And like the story is getting, you know, transformed at the bar and so like nothing he has no onus over what's actually happening over to him and to the point about even like all of the sort of chivalrous tests, mm-hmm. he's chivalrous because someone sort of forces him to be chivalrous. Right. You know, the ghost, like, no, I want my head. Go down and get my head. And he does it, but it's because she told him to do it. He literally says, What do I what are you gonna give me? And she's like, Why yeah. would you ask that? Why would you ask yeah. that? Oh, God, so powerful. Such a good man. moment. 
Such everything at the Lord's house is like someone's doing it to him and he gives in to all of it. The kiss, the the, the sexual encounter, the sash. It's all it's all just given to him and he just sort of mm-hmm. takes it. So he doesn't really make a decision until that very last scene. And that's the yeah. first moment where he's like, oh, I actually exactly. can control myself here. And what's really cool too about the painting real quick that I want to say is, and I didn't catch this till the second time I watched it, but the Lord, when he gives him the, the fox back, which is, I also think is interesting that, that they, he gives him the fox back where it's just like, who is the fox? What is this supposed to represent along the way? But, um, and especially for the fox to be given to him and then literally two minutes later, go away for the final time. I was like, huh, that's a choice. Uh, a good choice. I thought like, cause it, it was very interesting, but the painting um, when the Lord is, giving him the fox for the last time. He's just like, when you're done with your journey, we're going to be gone. This place is not going to be here. You know, this just don't, don't come back. It won't be here. But then in his vision in the future at his throne, he has the painting behind him that they did from this floor. So I just think like, I think that that's really cool where in his vision, he, he found this place, even though it should have been gone and it should have not existed. And, And he says all the stuff here will not be here. And I'm like, that's, that's really cool. I don't know exactly what it's supposed to represent, but I think that's really cool. And the one other thing that I have no idea about that I need to watch the movie again to try to get is the little uh, thief boy in the beginning um, of the movie. He like grabs his like collar for a second and it it's not like a glowing gem, but like there's like a blue something or other on his like necklace that like he does something with and i don't really understand what it's supposed to be like the easiest answer is just oh he's just scavenging the yeah, dead bodies around and, yeah. and, and whatever but like the way he holds it and what he does like it almost feels like he was signaling somebody else of like hey he's on his way or something but i i don't know yeah, and and to jump off both of Chris and, and Tim's point about the chivalrous challenges, and I think like again to be a knight, like he's not a knight when he goes out and and does this stuff. But I, you have to live up to that chivalry and that code of chivalry. And I think ultimately, I guess he fails every test to what Chris was saying because like, and what Tim was saying too of like you're supposed to just do this for you know to help people or for the greater good. You're not supposed to want something in return. So immediately when he asks, "What are you going to do for me?" He immediately is failing there. So I think that's kind of cool and then what chris was saying that he yeah he doesn't live up to that until that very last moment it's dope yeah and with that i i'm really interested in like the line that she has uh before that where she's just like a lord came and killed me was it you it's like what's going on there yeah it almost could be like i I think it's it's another night like it's someone that you want to be so is it in in theory? Is it are you right. the same as the person who who came and killed me before? Are you gonna be that guy again? Right. I think that's exactly right. Where she's like that that the place that you hold so high in your mind might not be as high as you think because someone of that same stature. Um, I I think it's it's also um, the the moment with uh, Barry the the guy that robbed him. I can't I can't pronounce his last name, but I think it's Keo or or Keegan or something like that. Yeah, Keegan sounds. I think I've heard that. So anyways, uh, that was interesting because he also fails. Like, what he gets captured immediately and immediately. immediately like starts like basically trying to beg his way out, and it is you know like, and then he gets everything taken. He can't even defend himself in that situation. I, it's just so uh, it's interesting that he like f- failed everything until that last moment you guys see yeah. that tweet of the photo of that kid and it's like whenever you see this kid in a movie bubbled yeah. up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and he's, so in a, he's in eternals coming up too which yeah, yeah. buckle mm-hmm. up yeah. as the villain buckle yeah. up <laughs> uh a couple lines i want to i want to shout out because god like both times i saw the movie I was like fuck this is some dope shit and it builds to what i was saying about how there's not much dialogue in this movie but when there is it's fucking great uh king arthur being like tell me a tale of yourself so that i might know thee and he says i have none to tell and then guinevere goes yet you have none to tell yet and i'm just like okay cool this is hype as fuck but then i love that the movie then just goes like all right well the story's not going to go the way you think it is uh but i love that when uh even in that same scene, he goes, Gawain goes, I fear I'm not meant for greatness. And the king goes, we all fear, but fear can be a gift. And the queen says, do not waste this. And I'm just like, y'all are just building such a strong yeah. jump yeah. off point that leads to his girl when he's having the conversation with her. And he's like talking about greatness and honor and all this stuff. And she's like, why greatness? Is goodness not enough? And I'm just like, I love this idea that like there's a mediocrity that 
isn't necessarily the worst thing to strive for uh, given your situation and that you might not need to hold yourself to the, the standards of everyone else, but that still doesn't mean that you should be a piece of shit. Like yeah. you still need to better yourself and you still need to not give up just because you're like, ah, I'm not a knight, but it's like, you still should be something more than what you are. Yeah. Also shout out to Sean Harris for being the King. Cause I feel like he's always a villain in movies. So just, it was like unsettling to have him as King Arthur. And like, I just kind of liked his presence as King Arthur in this, like this kind of guy who's not the King Arthur that we know from all of these right. stories. He's kind of at the end of his kind of life and stuff like that too. I thought that was really cool the actress who played Guinevere because it's like after the witch in Game of Thrones I'm like I'm, I'm right. waiting for her to do something yeah. <laughs> like, we have to both attempted to start doing some shit um, the cast in general. And she was That's so good oh, in yeah. Witch oh, yeah. um, I was going to say the uh, I, I thought it was really interesting that, that there's at, like we all like either knew the the poem or looked into it because like they, they make no allusions to who these people are like they just call him the king, the queen, and it's like we know it's King Arthur, and that's Guinevere, and his mom's Morgana, right? Like and Merlin, and yeah, Merlin's exactly. There, yeah. And it's like I didn't even put Merlin together till afterwards. Like the guy with the tattoos, um, I just thought it was such an interesting thing for it to be so subtle with that. I thought that was great, and I, I think that that's something that actually made me like really enjoy the movie a lot more. Where there weren't these like winks and nods and like, hey, hey, hey you know what this is? And it's like if you know, you know, and it's not like the most subtle thing, but like I I like that they made the choices that that's not the point of this movie. This this is Dev's story, and like they're just gonna let him speak for himself, and like they don't need the the marketing of King Arthur and like things that we are familiar with to mm -hmm. to push this and like to push what this movie actually is, which again is a deconstruction of a lot of that stuff, and is kind of like trying to uh, forge its own path, which I think is a uh, is evidenced by this not being a one for one telling of of the original yeah. story, like it kind of having kind of more modern sensibilities of um uh, kind of social commentary and just like the idea of who these people are and their their place in the world and all of that i think we'd all be open for an a24 arthur verse now you know so just <laughs> tell me more stories in the sure the clive owen one is already perfect you know oh yeah exactly yeah <laughs> why why yeah. go for more but i uh one last thing i do want to say is i was talking earlier about how this movie is really good at setting up set pieces that would be just kind of whatever in other movies and turning them into these like magical moments like seeing the giants in any yeah. other movie would have just been oh here's another thing but yeah. in this it felt like because we hadn't seen anything like that and I, I didn't expect to see something like that based on uh the iconography and just kind of world that they they built it simultaneously surprised me and I was like, well, I should have expected this because we were just at a ghost house where the lady had her head chopped yeah. off. And then, you know, we just had like X, Y, Z, all this stuff happened. And there's this little Fox dude. And then boom, there's these giants and they don't help him. I thought that was just so cool that they don't help him. It's not this big, like back and forth conversation or whatever. It's just like, I love that. Like to talk about the video game stuff, like what I think changes this from just being well, video games are based on uh, legend and legend, you know, sure. kind of like I'll fill into it. It kind of feels like a video game in the sense of like, you don't take every quest. And sometimes you talk to people, you don't have the right item. So it doesn't like allow you to go down the path that you want to go at that moment or whatever. And I just, I really related to that. And that's just me taking my own bullshit into this as not a fantasy lore expert in any way. But yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. Cause that moment made me trust the little Fox way more because the, the way the <laughs> Fox like protected him, I was like, Oh, that like some shit that's not good was about to go down with that giant. So I was talking to one of my friends I saw the movie with the second time and he was uh, talking about his interpretation of it all and of the Fox in particular. And he had to read that the Fox was um, either Aaron Kellerman's character or the mom, but either way was magically trying to protect him and was yeah, like with yeah. him for a yeah, reason yeah, yeah. to guide him, uh, which totally, totally adds up. But that the Fox was yelling at the giant like, no, 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 no don't help him. He has to do this by himself. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Which like is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, quickly, did anyone stay for the post credit scene? Because I did not and didn't know that there was one until I. I did it. not and did not no, know there was one. That's yeah. I didn't know. So I, because I, I didn't expect it at all, and I went online and I was like, 
wait, a post-credit scene? And then what I have it? it right. So it says a post-credit scene shows a young girl finding the king's crown and putting it on her head. And I'm like, there was a post-credit scene about a young girl putting King Arthur's crown on her head. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I'm like, And I had no idea that um, this movie uh, of all movies would have a post-credit scene. So I did not stay for it. But yeah. No. I would have thought I do not want a sequel to this whatsoever, but yeah. you just saying that I want a fucking sequel now. Let's I don't go. Know, I don't know what that means. And without seeing it, I don't know exactly how it was shown, but well, I will say we just went 37 minutes without bringing up the word nut. And I, I think that that's interesting for this movie, which uh, definitely featured the most unexpected nut scene. Um, I've sure. ever seen in a movie. Let's not call it that. <laughs> I mean, call me by your name had one too. So I don't know. I don't know about yeah. that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't no see that. In this. No I, didn't, right. I didn't see that. But from everything I know about that movie, I think I'd expect it more than, <laughs> than this movie. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but I yeah, just like the is... way it ended, where she just like looks at him, just like you're no knight, and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> like okay, yeah. gave in. Yeah. Oh, well, so, so speaking of, speaking of the daughter, without seeing the daughter, he has a daughter with the woman he actually marries in his future. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't like happen. It could, it could be. Well, it could be that that's does what it, that is what happens still. Now he's kind of maybe it, it, a version it of that future. Yeah. A version yeah. of that future where, but he doesn't end up with Lisa Vikander. He ends up with this other woman and has a daughter, and the daughter will then become the queen. Mm. I I kind of feel like though it, it it has to be different because he would have felt like he earned it if he walked away what? from. Yeah, you know what I mean. Some semblance of that life yeah. is what is going down. Like he does end up with that. At least that woman is is who he's arranged with and kind of has, still has that daughter. So he never um, makes Elisa Vikander his lady. No, that was honestly that was the scene that I checked out with him. I was like, this woman loves you and she's willing to like lock you before, like lock you down before you're even anything, and, yeah. and you're just sitting there silently. Like, and I actually don't give a shit what happens to you now. Yeah, <laughs> you are a fuck boy, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the giant, it kind of goes back to what Kevin's thing about Merlin. What I really liked about the movie is that it's just fantasy enough. The giants are just big people. Like, like mm-hmm. we're not seeing this big fantasy creature. You're seeing just a giant person. And it's the fact that, like, when they show Merlin doing magic, when the Green Knight first shows up, it's just the red light. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's him changing into a different thing. And I don't know if you caught it, but when he's swimming down for uh, the skull in the lake, it all goes red. Yeah. Like, someone's intervening and, like, trying to. So I like that there's just enough visual clues. That there's just fantasy, it's just part of the world, but it's not enough that really is going to take you out of it or make it World of Warcraft. Like yeah. it's just, just heightened plus one enough. Yeah. Talking to you guys has made me love this movie even more. I swear to God. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, definitely want to watch it again. again. I did not I expect to, to talk yeah, I this to much other about people- it. If you haven't watched David Lowry's other stuff, like in 2017, he made a movie called A Ghost Story. I don't know if anyone's seen it here, but um, I fucking love that movie as well. And it's a a similar kind of hypnotic, slow pace of a movie um, that's very poetic. It's just about life and loss, about, you know, a, a man who loses his life and is stuck inside his home with his, you know, now um, widowed wife that he's a ghost and he just has to stay in this house for the rest of time and just see the new people who live in it and just time go by. And it, it is fucking awesome, has another great score. And like David Lowry is one of those guys that fascinates me because he can jump from like studio stuff because he did Pete's Dragon. He did The Old Man and the Gun uh, with Robert Redford, but then he can go and do this kind of A24 art house weird stuff. But he still, I tweeted this yesterday, brings this kind of thoughtful and uh, poetic nature to the, the, these movies on both sides and makes that studio fair like elevated a bit because of him making it and he's doing Peter Pan and Wendy next uh, for Disney mm-hmm. Plus next year so uh, I'm kind of st- I'm only stoked for that movie because he's doing it and um, I really suggest people go watch a ghost story because uh, it's awesome and I think it's my favorite David Lowry movie uh, compared to this so I love this cool. still as well Looks but like a ghost story is really dope in the U.S., it's available on Netflix. So yeah, it's prime awesome. there on your Canada, list. Yeah, it's cool. cool. I don't know. It won't be for everyone again because I feel like it has a challenging pace like this movie, and you might just go like, "What the hell is this?" But like, I don't know. It has a really cool concept and a great score and visuals, and it's shot in a kind of square, rounded square cinematography because he said he wanted this character to be stuck in this box for the rest of his life. So it's just kind of visually really cool too. Interesting. Anyways, 
I'm in. Before I let you guys go, I, I started this off saying that this is so far my my movie of the year, and I was challenging myself over the last couple of days to to really think that through because I've seen a fair bit of movies both in theaters and just at home. And I think this is easily my number one. And I, I realized that my number two is A Quiet Place 2. Um, okay. And then after that, I feel like there's a pretty significant drop off to Fast 9 <laughs> and then other things. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. All right. I mean, but I mean, just being honest, like Fast 9 is not nearly my favorite Fast movie. So it's just like it's, you know, it's, it was a lot of fun. But like, I don't think it's on the same level. as The other two I just said, what are you guys? Where, where are you at? What is your movie of the year so far? You want to start me? I can go if you want. Go um, for it. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about this yesterday, Tim. Uh, if you consider Bo Burnham's Inside a film or a movie, uh, that is my favorite thing. That would be this number year. one. Then. Yeah. Um, it did have a theatrical release, and I do think it is very cinematic. Um, but The Green Knight, like I said off the top, like I think when I finished the movie, it wasn't even in my like top 20 movies of the year. And then the more I thought about it, it started creeping up my list and I have it up on Letterboxd right now. And I have it, um, like I liked things like Mitchell's versus the Machines. There's a movie coming out on Apple TV Plus called Coda uh, in a couple weeks. That's fantastic. Shiva Baby, Plan B, I loved. Pig with Nicolas Cage, I thought is fantastic for another kind of slow burn meditative movie. But Green Knight's definitely in that top 10 and Quiet Place Part 2 is in there. Judas and the Black Messiah, if you consider that a this year movie, depending on if, oscar stuff but tomorrow war i really loved but green knight definitely is in that kind of top 10 for me of the year but there were i think there's been quite a few good kind of flicks coming out this year chris what about you i think just i think for me i, I wouldn't say it's probably the best film i've seen but for in terms of my favorite i think it's probably wrath of man the new guy Ritchie movie right um, okay it's someone who like i adore guy Ritchie. he's probably my favorite um live action director um it just but it, it felt so different for what a guy Ritchie movie is that i that i kind of like it's it's just so intensely serious and that's so weird for guy Ritchie. like there's none of the quips there's none of the fast like pacing and editing it's feels like him doing an experiment and i think he nailed it and i was i saw it three times in theaters wow. I was blown wow. away by like what i was seeing um, but the one that I'm like, the one I'm, I'm looking forward to and I'm hoping will take the cake is a movie called Antlers, which is a yeah. horror movie. It's been delayed for two years. And I, God, yeah, it's a bummer. I've been so hyped for this fucking movie. And that <laughs> is, it's weird and dope. Yeah. Hopefully it still lands. Um, but that's the one I'm, I'm hoping to take. The Wait, cake. did you say the date is October? Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up. Be, yeah. Be okay. Yeah. Cause I check on that film like every like two months. Um, I, I had not heard of The Wrath of Man. This is really interesting because I'm a huge Guy Ritchie fan. What was his, his last movie? Was that Gentleman? Um, I fucking love that movie. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to watch this. I think for me, kind of a boring answer is uh, A Quiet Place 2. I, uh, I, it, was, it really helped that it was the first movie experience that we did since uh, quarantine kicked in. And um, also... Because of that, there was only like four people in the movie theater, maybe six. And yeah. like, I don't like I was on edge the entire time. Anyone would make a noise like I would eat popcorn or something and I'd be sitting there be like, shut up. And yeah, you get lost in the moment. And like, that's I think that's the, the best thing that a movie theater can do. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that was probably been my number one so far. But I've been not great about watching movies this year. <laughs> I don't think I've heard it too much, but I think what was fantastic about Quiet Place 2 is somehow you made a sequel that didn't tread over any of the same material that the first movie did. And that's yeah. that's, that's fair for a horror movie mm -hmm. as well. Like, yeah, especially a gimmicky horror different. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that everything feels different, I mean, it feels a bit more action y because now you know the monster. But, yeah. it, but and then you still found ways to give me brand new scares and brand new ways to be tense that, that the first movie did, uh, didn't do. Right. Yeah. Well, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, you can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And then on podcast services, we have three different podcasts, Untitled Movie Podcast, similar to Screencast, Untitled Movie Reviews, similar to this show, and then Untitled Movie Conversations, which is our interview show. So you can go search for those on any podcast service, and you can follow me on all those social medias, Letterboxd, Twitter, at Matt Rorabek. Chris Anka, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Christopher Anka, or usually I'm in Stomach Mike's uh, Twitch chat. Gotta love it. Gotta love, love it. it. All right. Well, 
Until next time, let us know in the comments below what you thought of the Green Knight. And I love you.